Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Deneo Retino, VP and Chief Innovation Officer at Southern Illinois Healthcare. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this podcast, Retino talks about the advantages of being a rural care organization, particularly in terms of relationships and accountability, how his team is working to improve accessibility and user experience, both for patients and staff, how his experiences in the vendor and consulting worlds help prepare him for the CIO role, and what he values most about his time with the military. Okay, so thanks again. Really appreciate your time. And the way we usually start is by just getting a little bit of background information about the organization. So Southern Illinois Healthcare, um, really a high-level overview of what you have in terms of hospitals where you're located. Yeah, so we're in Southern Illinois, uh, of course, and we've got uh, four different hospitals. One was uh, just recently acquired, you know, within the last couple of years, and then a number of outlying facilities uh, as well. So we are kind of the the major healthcare provider uh, in Southern Illinois. And do you have both rural populations and cities? How does that kind of work? Yeah, it's and no, it's pretty much all rural, like the entire mm-hmm. area. So, you know, we've got the Shawnee National Forest takes up a big portion of Southern Illinois. And so we do have a hospital where we do some tertiary care, which is based out of Carbondale. But pretty much, I would say, from my perspective, you know, everything is rural. There's no big cities uh, down here. Okay. So certainly some implications there, which we'll we'll get into. But as far as your own role, as we know, the role of chief innovation officer is still fairly new, or at least not that common in healthcare compared to some other industries. So can you talk about what you consider to be really the, the primary scope of your role? Yeah. So actually, it's it's an interesting role here because it really is a mix of the chief information officer kind of traditional role, just with an expectation that I think, like you've seen a lot of places, that innovation is going to be a key part of it. And I think a number of years ago, uh, Southern Illinois had said, we want this to be innovation technology services, and we want it to be, you know, a chief innovation officer role, just to put the focus there, that the technology is not just here to kind of implement what people are asking for, but the role is to transform care. Yeah, really interesting. And I I think that, as as you've seen, there has been a lot of talk about when there is a chief innovation officer, how does that work with the traditional CIO role? So it's something that certainly makes sense, but just uh, puts a lot under your purview. Yeah, it's it's nice. But I think we're blessed here to have a whole lot of other great people to work here and a number of people that are really focused on transformation and improving things. Um, And that's good. I think it's interesting. I think SIH is in this interesting spot that we're in a rural area, but we're large enough to have just some really good leaders with lots of experience in other places. And so I think you see a lot of, a lot of innovation coming from what I'd call a good mix of tenure and turnover. Yeah. And so when you look at your role, you have the more traditional IT piece and innovation, but I'm sure that you don't see them separately, that they really coalesce a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I I think anymore, it's really hard to see, you know, where those things diverge. I I think innovation is used quite a bit in a lot of different contexts, but it really has to be embedded in in everything we're doing at this point. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which way you look at it, you know, we leverage technology to do most of those innovations. Yeah. 
Okay. And so you've been you've been with the organization since summer of last year. So not a whole lot of time, but maybe enough to really try to get your feet wet and, and get to know the organization and the people. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. If you ever get the chance to come to Southern Illinois, uh, especially in the summer, it's just a, a beautiful place. Um, but again, you know, you've got a lot of people. You kind of have this small town feel, yet in a health system that's big enough to, to do some pretty interesting things. And so a lot of my time so far has just been really learning. You know, they made it pretty clear coming in that they weren't looking for somebody necessarily to be uh, very disruptive in the beginning, but come in, you know, I think do more listening than talking in the beginning, figure out what's working well, how to evolve some of those things. I was really blessed that both the people that are here now and the people that were here before me have really done a good job kind of evolving things. And really my role is a lot just to continue that. So it's good. Yeah, I can imagine that that's probably a better place to be than those situations where you have to jump right in and and a major change is needed. Yeah, you always see a combination wherever you are, right? You're going to have certain projects that are going to need that. Um, But yeah, overall, I think it's it's in a pretty good place. You know, I think like all health systems, there are some financial challenges that are relatively new uh, to this organization. And so, you know, that takes a little bit of extra focus and maybe a, a different perspective, but you're definitely not trying to, to rescue this organization from themselves in a larger sense. So that's good. Okay. And I like what you said about listening and learning. It's so important to do that, to take that time. And by doing so, you really get to understand what is needed and what should be the top priorities. Yeah. And I, I think it's good. I think what I've been really pleased to hear is, you know, like all organizations, I think the reason certain things aren't done or certain things aren't moved further than they are, what I don't see is it being a result of a lack of ideas. It's really just a, a lack of budget or that wasn't a priority at that time. So there's a lot of people here who are like, hey, this is where we think we need to be. And I'd say I learned a lot from that. And so now as a senior management team, we've got a number of new leaders here in key positions, you know, along with a number of tenured people. And so we're just trying to advance that as part of our strategic planning process now. So yeah, it's been really fun so far. Yeah. Okay. So what do you consider to be some of the core initiatives that you're working on right now? Yeah. So a lot of it is balancing growth and cost cutting, right? I think that's kind of key to everybody in healthcare and, and rural healthcare, maybe especially, um, but I don't, I don't see anybody immune to it at this point. And so that drives a number of projects that are, you know, one being fiscally responsible, going in, renegotiating current contracts that are there, uh, leveraging technologies to do things in a more cost-effective manner. But we're also deploying, you know, community connect to other entities. We, you know, acquired a hospital not too long. So getting them, you know, on our version of Epic. So a lot of those kind of traditional IT processes are, are going on at the same time. And then a big focus right now on access. In a rural area like most others, we have provider shortages and access issues and all of that. So it's like, how do we use both those human components and the technology components to really you know, improve the, the level of access and the time that it takes to get people in and reduce the friction for them you know, navigating our health system? Kind of the biggest things we're looking at now. And then a number of, again, traditional projects that are out there where you know, leveraging CRM technologies to facilitate some of those things, going through an ERP a replacement project, number of those types of things that you would expect. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about the access piece? It's just 
something we hear so much, especially in the rural communities, about these challenges and how you are using certain technologies and innovations to try to uh, alleviate or, or at least fill those gaps. Yeah, so a lot of it, you know, we have a, a digital health team who's really spending a lot of time working with our medical group primarily, who's focused on going out to the patient, you know, so a lot of these remote patient monitoring tools, um, you know, a lot of telemedicine, you know, we've seen that grow a lot. I think the, the pandemic made that grow quite a bit faster initially, and then it pulled back a little But but we see in an area like ours that it's you know, it's a long drive for a lot of people to get to a health system. And so we may have behavioral health resources that are an hour away from a number of our patient population where they live. And then we've got some tertiary care options or some consultations that need to happen. And it's just, you know, long drive times between a lot of these locations. And so using those flexible tools are really, really helping us quite a bit. So we've got that portion of it where we're going out to the patient, but then also the patient coming to us. You know, when you start having a, a lot of turnover in the workforce and just a, a shortage of workforce, you know, everything from, you know, taking a look at abandonment rates to how people are able to, to effectively navigate us when they call us. I mean, they're literally reaching out, trying to get a hold of us. How do we make that as simple as possible for them to get access to the care that they need as quickly as possible? Yeah. And I imagine that equity falls into that as well. And the gaps that do exist, whether it's access to certain technologies or really making sure that underserved communities are getting the care they need. Absolutely. I think if anybody has a silver bullet for that, I would love to hear it. Um, but I, I can tell you, it, it tends to be top of mind all the time. You know, as, as we start looking through the things that we're doing, it's how do we reach out to some of these people? And some of it is still physical outreach. You know what I mean? We need those human to human connections, which is really hard to do. But, you know, especially I think in a lot of rural populations, uh, many people are not focused on preventative care. They're not focused on, you know, how to get to some of the resources that they need. So they're, they're maybe unaware of some of the resources that are there to manage you know, a lot of their chronic issues. And so we spend a lot of time on that type of outreach, both from a digital perspective, but then also for a human perspective, because not everybody is able to interact with us digitally at this point. Right. Yeah, I definitely haven't heard about any uh, magic bullets yet, <laughs> but it's it's encouraging to see more focus on this. And it, there's hope there that that there will be <laughs> some solutions. Yeah, I think so. I, I think you have a lot of really smart people focused on it. And so we'll we'll get there. I think as an industry, we're moving in the right direction. You, you know, I think first you admit you have a problem, right? Yeah. And we see that. We see that these disparities are, are really negatively impacting certain populations' health. And um, we need to fix that problem. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And you mentioned ERP also, and that seems like something that that's a pretty significant undertaking. So can you talk about kind of what, what the approach is there? Yeah, it is. So, you know, SIH was going through a, a discovery process on where they wanted to go with some of the technologies that they've had. And one of the decisions that was made uh, along the way was that moving to a more up-to-date uh, enterprise resource planning system would be necessary. So you kind of go through that evaluation. And, and I think generally we like to consolidate as many things into what I'll say core systems uh, as we can. And so, you know, after that discovery process, we really looked and said, you know, next, how do we align with a good integration partner and what are the outcomes we're looking to achieve? And a lot of those are around visibility 
And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about how do we make it more frictionless, if you will, for our patient populations to navigate our health systems. But a lot of the ERP is focused on how do we do that for our, our employees, you know, for our staff? How do we make it to where our human resource systems as part of that ERP are easy to navigate and people can do a number of self-serve things, you know, and make sure that that employee uh, experience is also good. Because I think at this point right now, that is as important uh, as that patient experience to have a focus. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as getting that input, how do you go about doing that? So I'm sure that that can be tricky, (laughs) but just, you know, really trying to, to get the pulse of what challenges, you know, the staff are having and, and how to kind of work through those. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of it is is working with the different service line leaders, you know, that are out there. Um, I think it's it's really important so that, you know, we talk a lot about the challenges of being in rural healthcare, but one of the benefits of being in rural healthcare is that there's a lot of these personal relationships. And so we can reach out to these service lines and have conversations, pulling in third parties where necessary, but really looking at what are the problems that you're having? And if things could be perfect, what would that look like? You know, let's let's map some of the solutions that we can have to the challenges that you're experiencing. But the other thing that we need to do is we need to, you know, we need to get accountability from those service lines because the success of a project like this really relies on them being engaged and driving a lot of that change, right? It's not just a technological solution, but how will it be trained? How will it be serviced afterwards? You know, how are we going to utilize those things? Otherwise, you can waste a lot of money on something that maybe has a better user interface, but really doesn't achieve the organization's goals. So that's our, that's really our approach is just reaching out to each and every one of them and making sure that they're part of that selection process, part of the scoping process, and then, you know, also part of the accountability process for successful implementation. Interesting that that you bring that up, just the idea of, of accountability. I'm sure that that can really apply to different levels, you know, with something like this and the users, but then also when you're dealing with vendors or partners and you know, making sure that that accountability is there from the beginning. Yeah, it kind of has to be built into everything, right? We look at it from a data perspective. So we, we spend a lot of discussion around analytics or here's the, the information that you're going to want, you know, coming out of it. But do we have data literacy programs in place? And are we holding leaders accountable for using that data? And the same with the ERP or any type of EHR solution, like any of these major systems where you're spending multiple millions of dollars, you need accountability from the vendor perspective, So, you, but you can build that into contracts. You don't really necessarily have that same functionality internally. So you really have to say, okay, how do we make sure that we're holding people accountable for advancing these initiatives as well? Um, because they they own a lot of the success there, but also can contribute to it to its failure, right? So I think it's really important that we all move forward on the same page. And that accountability piece certainly has to come from the top, but then, you know, trickle down to different levels of leadership, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of it. And you're right. It does need to start at the top. I think it, it weighs heavily on us as, a, as executives that, you know, you can only put your weight behind so many things, right? And so what are the things that are critical to the organization? And then people will pick that up. Interestingly, you know, I think as you navigate these, it's apparent to all of us that the people that are closest to the work know most about it. So Mm -hmm. a lot of our success has really been attributed to how do you solicit that information from them? You know, not only what we need to do, 
but what are the right ways to hold people accountable at this level? How do we make sure that your teams are engaged in this and that this can be a priority? You know, while we can prioritize things and remove other work, they really need to help us with that accountability structure. And to that point, do you do things like rounding or, or similar initiatives to really get the feel for uh, what the uh, end users are, are going through? We do. So yeah, organizationally, you know, there's a number of processes that are in place to kind of say, you know, this time of day is blocked out specifically for leader rounding. Now there's some challenges in some departments, especially when you have, you know, a remote workforce where it's it's not as easy to round on those types of places, but it's it's mm-hmm. still kind of what I'll call the the basic hitting and pitching when you're talking about the places that are internal in the hospitals, in our clinics, places like that. You still can round and see what that's like. Where some of those challenges really come out to, though, is where you have people that are, you know, frontline staff, but they're they're a remote workforce. You know, how are you soliciting that? And I think we're all still kind of learning maybe the best way to do that, trying different things. So we'll have, you know, little fireside chats and, and virtual town halls and different ways to kind of put out information, but soliciting information from those big groups of people when you're not able to exactly walk around we're still trying to figure some of that out. I think we use a combination of surveys that are web-based and text-based and individualized conversations that are happening via video, really trying to solicit a lot of that feedback. Yeah. And it's, it may seem like the start of, uh, you know, remote work COVID was so long ago, but it's really relatively new and it does keep evolving. So it's, it's not a space that it's, it's not static and it does keep changing. So I think that, you know, we have to kind of have those discussions and like to keep having those discussions. Yeah, we do. And I think sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about its challenges, but it has a lot of advantages as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got a workforce that lives, you know, I've got a number of people that report through me that are, you know, across multiple states. So, you know, that's good because now we can access skill sets, right? And have people contribute that historically maybe wouldn't be able to. But by the way, I can meet with five of those people individually over a short period of time, you know, without having to drive an hour to one of our other facilities or do those types of things. So there's some advantages there as well that I think help with that connection. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. So looking at your career path uh, before Southern Illinois, you were with Firelands Health for a while. Yeah, I was with Firelands Health since 2013. There, I was the uh, a VP of Operations and the Chief Information Officer. So I had the traditional CIO role along with the operational responsibilities for imaging, our Center for Breast Care facilities, clinical engineering, things like that. So it was really, really nice. And that was your first CIO role, right? That was. Prior to that, I was the CEO of a technology organization. Okay. And having having that experience, being on the other side or that that technology side, is that something that you think has benefited you? Absolutely. I, I think it was really helpful because it, it gave me an operational focus where it wasn't just looking at the technology side of it, but we were building new services. You know, we were worried about revenue. We were a lot across different industries. So it gave me exposure into banking and hospitality and a number of other places both from a technical perspective, but also from an operational and business perspective. You know, as you're meeting with those CEOs and meeting with other people trying to help advance their goals, you learn a lot. And then, you know, coming into healthcare directly at that time, again, it's a, it's a totally different model, um, but you can leverage a lot of the, the stuff that you've learned on that other side 
in consulting and in these other areas, and it applies pretty well to healthcare. You know, I think when I came in, uh, my CEO at the time had uh, assessed that healthcare was quite a bit of a mess, you know, and, and we're also trying to change just like we had in technology, moving from fee for service to managed service models and things like that. So yeah, I think that experience helped me quite a bit. And what was it that made you want to, to move over to the healthcare side, the, the provider side? Yeah, so a number of things. I had done some consulting there, primarily around information security. My wife uh, was in healthcare. Now my daughters are in healthcare. So I think, you know, looking at it, you know, and I know it sounds cliche, but I I just, I really wanted to do something that made a difference. Mm. And I I just, I can't think of anything that's easier to get passionate about than than trying to dedicate whatever your skill set is to actually helping improve lives and serve different populations where you go. And I just... I think that's unique to healthcare. You know, every other industry that I've worked with or been part of or consulted in, the primary motivations seem to be financial. And so even when you were negotiating things across an organization, you know, you had to make sure that that you were looking at what was important to the different stakeholders that were there. In healthcare, I think relatively uniquely, we can all agree that we are only here to improve lives. Like, yes, no margin, no mission. We have to make money. We have to cut expenses. You know, there's a lot of things we have to do, but at the end of the day, we really are doing something that nobody else can do. Um, I think that passion just drove me to one, want to get into healthcare. And then once I got here, you know, the more you learn and the more the impact that you see both positive and negative that you can um, have on people, you know, in your local communities, it just really, really drives me. And I think generally drives the teams that I work with. And and that's refreshing to some extent. Yeah, certainly. And I would think that played a role in you seeking like, these professional certifications and, you know, really just building upon that knowledge and things like the CHCIO and becoming a fellow of ACHE. And uh, is that just part of the whole desire to want to really learn more? Yeah. So I, I tend to like structured learning paths and I, I tend to like challenging myself. Um, and I, I think in these type of roles, having a balance of that technical leadership and and operational leadership is increasingly important. You know, I think we have to be able to look at things from different perspectives in order to make a difference. And especially at an executive level, whether it's our, our chief nursing officer or chief financial officer, or chief executive officer, like everybody needs to have the ability to get the perspective from a wide base, but then also specialize, you know, in, in some area of expertise. So just that desire has kind of driven me there. And then I, I think the other thing that I've gained from that, that maybe was a little unanticipated was just the amount of support you get from your peers as you're going through that process. The other thing that that really has been noticeable to me in healthcare was the other CIOs that are out there and the other CEOs and CFOs from other organizations just kind of willing to help and share ideas and, and think through things to see if we can all kind of elevate our entire game. And uh, so that's been, been really a great process. Yeah, there's really, there's such a strong community, especially when it comes to something like that, the Chime CHCIOs, and it just has to be so important to have that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good because you you feed off of each other, right? It's on a regular basis. We're on the phone call, different size organizations, different challenges, and we try to help each other. And sometimes, you know, I, I think many of us say, well, I don't know what I possibly have to add to this conversation because we think we're all 
going through the same thing and, and maybe looking at it the same way. But uh, I think if I if I flip it around, I can tell you that every time I talk to somebody, you know, one of my peers from outside of our organization, like I learned something. There's always something that that somebody is sharing that is of tremendous value, and you you can't buy that. I mean, you can't buy that experience. It's just by people who are living through it, people who are, are thought leaders in their own regards, and uh, it's just very. Uh, I got to tell you, it's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to ask about was like an increasing number of people that I tend to speak with, you have military experience. And I like to ask people about kind of how that has helped build you as a, as a professional. And if you can think of or pin down something that you gained from that experience that you're able to apply now. Yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, for me personally is it's given me a, a sense of discipline and a sense of appreciation. So what I mean by that is, you know, not all the work we're going to do is easy, but, you know, even if I'm having a bad day, it is much better than a day I've had previously. And right. so, you know, I think you tend to appreciate that. And you also tend to, at least for me, you know, I also tend to appreciate working with really smart and good people. You know, I have a chief uh, healthcare information officer here and, you know, some other leaders that are around that are just great people, uh, very competent, extremely intelligent. And so I think the military teaches you that you are capable of much more than, than what maybe you, you know, might have thought of before you were challenged to do some of those things, but also how important it is to have a strong team and, and the things you can accomplish there. So I, I think that really has built a good foundation for me for my career. But yeah, definitely discipline and appreciation are probably the biggest two things I've gained from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I, I always enjoy hearing people's perspectives. Uh, nobody yet has said, no, nah, you know what? It didn't teach me anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it'll, it'll definitely teach you a lot. Right. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that this about wraps it up. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and, and hearing your perspectives. And I think that so many of our readers, listeners are going to appreciate uh, what you have to say. Well, thanks a lot, Kate. I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.